The following is an exclusive presentation of News Radio KMAN, your home for K State athletics. This is Wildcat Insider with the voice of the Wildcats, Wyatt Thompson, and KMAN Sports Director, Mitch Fortner. Wyatt, you're more bald than I remember. <laughs> no Wyatt Thompson today. He's out. For all of the similarities, definitely not Wyatt Thompson. Both got those deep voices. You no. wear glasses, but you're more bald than he is. Yeah, well, I can't help that matter. Well, you and, could. And mine's not alopecia. There, there's, uh, there's ways to take care of baldness, I've heard. Yeah, hair club for men. Sure. Yeah, sowing the seeds. What, what yeah. happened to that spray stuff? You remember that, like from the 90s? You know, the way I look at it, maybe you have to have hair to make that work. Uh, I think you're remembering Bosley. I think it was yeah, something like that. Bosley Bosley does some of the similar as the hair club for men, but no, there was there was basically it was it was spray paint to make your make it look like you had a fuller head of hair because you would match the color, kind of like you know spraying a dent on a car. Ah, okay. It wasn't well done. It was cheesy as, about as cheesy as a Floby, actually. Officially welcome to Wildcat Insider. It's Mitch Fortner with Troy Coverdale with Wyatt out. And uh, Big Steve is, of course, with us. Uh, David G, not with us either today. But, boy, do we have a lot to talk about because it was an exciting week for uh, K-State basketball. If you haven't heard, there's a new head coach for the Cats, and his name is... The former assistant from Baylor for 19 seasons announced last week. It's been about a week now, right, mm-hmm. since the announcement was made that he becomes the 25th head coach in K-State men's basketball history. But before we get to that, that's going to be a big topic today. Not only what happened last week, but moving forward, the coaches are already on the recruiting trail. We've had one cat exit the program into the transfer portal. We will speak with K-State Athletic Director Gene Taylor Coming up at 5.20. But first, I just want to say something about the slap. All right? Can we can we briefly just discuss this for just a moment? I know everybody's talking about it. Dan Patrick has done his whole show on the slap. Well, and we had plenty to say this morning. And I'm pretty sure every angle has been covered. Except, I think, for one. And maybe it has, maybe it hasn't. But it's, it's kind of my big thought of the whole thing. If you didn't see it at the Academy Awards, uh, Will Smith did not like the joke that was made about his wife, Jada Pinkett Smith, and from Chris Rock. And it was about her baldness and brought up G.I. Jane 2, um, which, as far as I understand, I believe Jada's balding issue is because of, of a of some sort of health issue alopecia is the name of is the name of it that's the reference that i made earlier which is a form of an autoimmune deficient uh deficiency disorder which of course i let off the show with a joke with a baldness joke you Mm -hmm. did not come at me with a slap hey missed opportunity troy what are you doing um this guy's in wrestling i know better (laughs) well use the term wrestling a bit light there but uh Anyway, K Fabe. <laughs> but anyway, Will Smith goes up on stage and slaps yeah. with his right hand Chris Rock across the face, which I thought actually Chris Rock handled the slap as well as he could have. Now, I'm not here to comment on the joke or anything. Um, I don't like how this is maybe potentially uh, 
maybe put in the idea that if you do not like what a comedian says, you can go attack them. Where was security? That is one. Well, you know, Will Smith might have had some security standing by for the security. Valid. But the point I wanted to get to is I think everything would have been okay. It would have just worked itself out if Will Smith didn't start cussing afterwards and yelling in front of everybody. Yes. Because after the slap, Chris Rock says, wow, Will Smith just slapped the blank out of me, and he got a big laugh. And I think that light that, 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 that it lightened the tension mm-hmm. a little bit. It was still awkward, but there was, it wasn't as tense of a situation after the laugh, after Chris Rock made a joke about it. Because let's look at it this way as well. Chris Rock is up there doing what he is expected to do. That is make jokes, make fun a little bit of the mm-hmm. audience, and one joke apparently went too far. Now, I thought it was going way too far for Will Smith to go up on stage and slap Chris Rock. Don't settle this with violence. I mean, he even said it afterwards where it's his job to just kind of take the shots and uh, act like it doesn't bother him, which is actually kind of what is expected of him. And I, I understand his <clears throat> I understand his answer, but I don't understand you know going on stage and slapping the guy. I mean, that's the craziest thing we've seen at an award show since... I would say uh, Kanye West going up and interrupting Taylor Swift in his career and his perception that he's received has not been the same since then. No, and in fact, that's been a big point of discussion that you can even just look at the, say, search trends on the internet and see the spike, and it's right back to normal. But I think what made it a lot worse was Will Smith cussing at him and saying, yeah. you know, yeah. take your, don't, you know, whatever he said about his wife's name and started using F-bombs because it made it a lot more awkward, a lot more tense. And then I think it was realized that, okay, this is actually pretty intense. This is maybe not a work. Like, this is really upsetting Will Smith. He's mad. Chris Rock is now flustered, mm-hmm. and he he somehow got out of it. But if we didn't get to that point, if it was just slap, walk off stage, Chris Rock makes a joke, and then we move on, I don't think we're talking about this as much. It's a, still a slap, but it's not going to live on like it maybe would have or is going to because of Will Smith's reaction afterwards. The camera angle picked up perfectly Lupita Nyong'o's face in the midst of yeah. the yelling. And I think that the reaction kind of spoke for everybody at that point. What is going on here? And highly uncomfortable. Completely would have missed that had Will not yelled. It was wild. I mean, Twitter was going nuts. Like, I was oh, driving to Wamigo when it all happened, and my phone's blowing up about it. And I was like, I got to see what's going on. And so I waited until I parked, and I was like, whoa. I, I was shocked. I was like, what in the world is Will Smith doing? The Fresh Prince with a fresh slap for Chris Rock. Have you? How many memes have you seen today? My favorite one, this is the best one. And it wasn't brought up on um, – Dan Patrick, when they were talking about like mock headlines, which I thought this was just the perfect one. I didn't make this up. Somebody else did. The pursuit of slappiness. <laughs> just great. Just great. That's a good one. Friend of mine actually sat down and wrote the first verse of uh, the Fresh Prince theme redone. 
Now, well, a, we got to hear it. I, yeah, or yeah. We, you, tell us about it. Now, this is a story about how I turned a man's face right upside down. Now, this is about my wife, her illness he did mock. I'll tell you how I slapped the, out of a man named Chris Rock. A uh, little wordy. Little, little, but, you know, this is, well, okay. I tried to, like, hear the Fresh Prince yeah. tune in my head while I was going on. And, I know. You know Maybe a little bit of a stretch there. We, it's a work in progress. All right, let's get to uh, K-State sports, right? That's what everybody's tuning in for to hear, of course, every second of what I got to say about Chris Tang along with uh, <laughs> Troy over here. Chris Rock. I felt like, um, you know, this weekend I was reliving, reliving a lot of the memories in my head, and, and it doesn't feel like this press conference – took place four days ago. It felt like it's a distant memory a little bit, mm. uh, if that makes sense, because it was so much fun, and now I feel like a grandpa telling grandsons about, I was there, kid, <laughs> and telling the details, giving a description on my surroundings, who I was sitting next to, which to my left I was sitting to, uh, next to Kellis Robinette. Drew Galloway from uh, uh, Down Online was sitting to my right. Mm-hmm. I was sitting third row. Had a great seat. Davion Bradford was right behind me, but luckily I was angled in the right spot that he was not actually blocking my view. And I noticed uh, some of the media was standing up to ask their questions. Kellis took my question, which it turned into a great answer. I would ask if he didn't, but um, it was about, you know, what's your favorite memories of playing K-State? If I would have had to stand up, I would have been behind Davion Bradford, and I would have been forced to make a joke. I was like, Coach, I promise you, I'm standing up over here. <laughs> Five five of me behind this seven footer, and I think that would have got a good laugh, and I wouldn't have been slapped for it. But um, I, I keep thinking about how much fun I had that day, and I talked about this last week about how I I, I didn't really feel like a media member because it was the best co- press conference I've ever been to, and Coach Tang was kind of given the freedom to walk around. He had a, a mic lapel mic a lapel mic that mm-hmm. was on his tie or on his jacket or whatever. And he just didn't really use the podium besides a little place to look at his notes. And he walked on the left side of the podium, got a lot of laughs. Uh, he got serious, talked to the players, he talked to the fans, he talked to everybody. And I, I got so worked up into it, especially afterwards with the uh, with the recap, I totally forgot to play my favorite part of the press conference. I'm going to play the whole thing. It's about 90 seconds, but it was going off of what Kellis asked. Your favorite moments of the 40-plus times you played K-State as an assistant at Baylor. What would be my favorite memories and not really what you want to hear? <laughs> so really what you want to know is what were the, those depressing times? <laughs> when Rodney Magruder, we threw the ball the length of the court in Waco and Isaiah Austin didn't touch it and, well, the pass was high and then they had an under OB with one second to go and Rodney Magruder came off and we played a zone and uh, our guy did the wrong thing in the zone and he got a catch and shoot three to hit it and win the game. That, that, that was a pretty big moment. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, one of my, one of my really, like, we played uh, when Frank Martin was the coach and Lace Darius Dunn was on the team. And we came for shoot-around and found a scouting report left out. And in the scouting report, it said Lace was selfish and he didn't play any defense, right, on the scouting report. And so Lace Darius proceeded to make like 
threes that game, and every time he made one, he looked at the bench and scowled at Frank Martin. It, 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 was, it was hilarious. Now, I think I found out later that Coach Mills faked the scouting report <laughs> and put it there so that Lace would find that. <laughs> so that, that, that was so great to just hear his perspective from what was just a terrible day uh, to be a Wildcat because the Lace Darius Dunn went off, which, by the way, we forgot to check in. Coach, is today a great day to be a Wildcat? It's a great day to be a Wildcat! Just needed to double-check. I knew it was. I felt like it was. I was confident, but I did want to hear it from Coach one more time. But that those fans that remember... That was a that was a rough day being a Bramlage Coliseum. I mean, that's the 08-09 season. So it's the second year for Frank Martin. It's the second year for uh, Jacob Pullen. It's the first year, of course, after Michael Beasley. And it wasn't the best year. K State had a rough start to Big Twelve play, even though they finished winning twelve of the la- or winning nine of the last twelve or something like that, which was a great finish. But K State was like eleven and six, and they lost three in a row in Big Twelve play. And then comes Baylor, who's like number twenty three. Lace Darius Dunn is coming off the bench, but he plays a lot of minutes. And he is absolutely right. And I what I loved is we got the uh we got the uh, behind the scenes mm-hmm. of what led to just an incredible performance by an opposing player. Because I remember that as just a nightmare of a game for K-State. But he turned it into a fun memory that we could enjoy as fans not only of K-State but just fans of the game. And how creative that, that that staff was at Baylor. Right. Because if you don't remember, Lace Darius Dunn, he didn't hit eight threes. He hit nine threes. He was nine of 12 off the bench for 33 points in Baylor cruised to an 83-65 victory. I'm just curious what Dunn's thoughts are knowing that story now. I mean, if you're a coach, whether it be Paul Mills or Jerome Tang – or even Scott Drew, you're loving that story. I That's think if your lace story is done, you love it too. You were duped, but you were duped into a great thing. Because it worked. It did. At least you could say it worked. I mean, you put that scouting report out there that says Lace Darius Dunn is selfish and he doesn't play defense. I mean, when you see the selfish word and don't play defense, you think you're basically just being called a scrub. And if you use that to motivation, if he's looking at every time at Frank Martin, every time he makes a three-pointer, a hell yeah, it worked. How about the read, though, of Paul Mills being able to utilize that, recognizing, hey, here's something I can use to motivate him. And I bet That's that was, a great read. Well, and I bet it was nothing about K-State. It was just the timing of it. Mm-hmm. We're on the road in Big 12 play. You know, Baylor at the time was was doing very well. They were like they had already had 14 wins on the year. They didn't finish quite well. It was kind of different because K-State didn't start well, but they finished well. Baylor started really well, but they didn't finish mm-hmm. well. Actually, K-State that year finished fourth in the Big 12, but they went to the NIT. Really, that was a point where Baylor was breaking through after all of their struggles. And so down the stretch, they they tailed off because they weren't – used to being at that level at that point. Well, I mentioned Lazier has done this. He was a sophomore mm-hmm. at the time, caught off the bench playing 32 minutes in the game. Of course, you don't take him out. He's a hot hot hand. You're not going to take him out. You're going to play him as much as you possibly can. But I remember like Quincy Acey was on that team. Uh, oh, uh, gosh, I'm forgetting his first name. Uh, Kevin Rogers, that's who I was thinking of. Kevin Rogers uh, was also on that team. Yeah, it's not the most memorable team, but that game was certainly memorable 
as a Wildcat. Uh, thank you to Jerome Tang for uh, reminding us about that Lace Darius Dunn game, but it was fun to hear a little backstory on what led to that amazing performance. Maybe we'll hear more of those behind-the-scenes stories in a decade later or so about how great K-State was in the uh, 2022-23 season. We got a long ways to go here on Wildcat Insider. We're going to talk about a lot of cat stuff, of course. Uh, we have Gene Taylor coming up at 525 to talk about the hiring of Jerome Ting. But uh, coming up next, a Wildcat on Friday departs the program. Is he the first of many or the few, first of very few to leave the K-State program after the hiring of Jerome Ting? <laughs> Big Steve, what is this? This is Fallout Boy, Death Valley. Oh, boy. Not a big Fallout Boy guy. You say Fallout Boy, I'm like, oh, boy. (laughs) That's not a good one either. This is off the Save Rock and Roll uh, record. About as Fallout Boy as I get is like Hoobastank. You can laugh, Troy. It's okay. I know you want to. No, let's just let him sit there. I'm just going to stay out of that argument. I listened to a little uh, hoop stink over the weekend. Just kind of popped up. I was like, "Oh my god, I haven't heard, heard these that guys in forever. In forever." Yeah, yeah. I know of them. I knew they were in Kansas City like just a few months ago, maybe longer than that. Uh, but just, I remember listening to them when I was like 14 years old. I was like, "Oh yeah, I remember these guys. Used to be really into them." Five three seven thirteen fifty. If you want to join the show, you can also tweet me at Mitch the Fort at Troy Coverdale as well. Big Steve, what's your Twitter handle? Uh, mine is Schaefer for life. So and I'll spell right. that because it's spelled weird. S H A F F U R, the number four, and then life spelled like life. So. Now, what do you tweet? What do you uh, tweet about? Random memes, uh, my stream schedule when I stream over on Twitch, and uh, retweets of dumb stuff that my friends tweet. That's pretty much it. All right, there you have it. If you want to uh, get some memes and some Twitch schedule and you want some, uh, some dumb things, tweet it out there. In other words, the newsroom chat today. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Schaefer for life is where you're going to hit up Big Steve. Of course, if you missed the show, hit up us on our podcast. at the, There's no at. The Game KMAN, you can search for it on wherever you get your podcasts and uh, always keep up with what's going on with the game and, of course, Wildcat Insider. We found out on Friday that K-State Selton Miguel has entered the transfer portal. The 6'4 guard after two seasons with the Cats deciding to go elsewhere. I mean, my initial reaction when we found out about it on Friday was this is probably better news for K-State than it is Selton Miguel. I want to backpedal a little bit. I think this is great news for both sides. Let's start with Selton Miguel. Selton Miguel, who averaged seven points a game, also four rebounds, he shot about 37.5% and just couldn't buy a three-point basket in Big 12 play. I mentioned there was a run of 12 games where Selton did not make a three-pointer. He was losing minutes, he was losing starts, and that's also, you know, doesn't help. A couple of transfers come in and they take a couple of those spots, which was hopeful. That was hoped for, right? That's kind of mm-hmm. what we wanted when those three transfers came in. It would improve things so greatly. They take three starts, start, uh, three spots in the starting lineup. You also have Nigel Pack in there, along with probably Davion Bradford or Casey Ziegu, and there you have your lineup. Yeah, Selton Miguel was bumped from the lineup pretty quickly, it felt like, especially in Big 12 play. However, with Selton Miguel, I got to say, 
he needs a fresh start. I think he was maybe getting away with what he was doing, like with his struggles and still getting a lot of playing time because of the standing of K-State basketball at the time. You know, Bruce Weber's teams are obviously struggling, and he's going to remember it as a part of those struggling teams last year and the year before. But he's going to land on his feet. He is a talented guy. He was doing a lot of right things, except he just wasn't getting the finish at the bucket. The shots weren't going. But let's not forget, I mean, we talked about when K-State did not have Selton Miguel for a period of time because he was injured, we talked about how big of a hit that was going to be for K-State defensively because Selton Miguel is considered the best, if not one of the best, defenders on this K-State basketball team. And so if the offense can come around for Selton, he's going to be a good player. I mean, even with his issues of scoring the basketball, he was still averaging about seven and a half points per game. But you go get rebounds, just a three-point shot was working, and for some reason he had struggles with finishing at the rim. And it's a struggle that will still continue to baffle me how he couldn't get some of those shots to go, but it happens. Now, when I say landing on his feet, this Jake guy that I had to go do some uh, do a little background check on on Friday, you might remember that, Troy, because mm-hmm. I'd never heard of the guy. He is verified. He's at Jake Weingarten. And uh, he looks to be 13 years old. He looks extremely young. (laughs) But he was the one that broke the news that Selton Miguel was transferring from K-State. He tweeted out five hours ago that Selton, as a matter of fact, has a lot of interest out there now that he's in the portal. He has heard from Boston College, BYU, Tulsa, Loyola Chicago, Cincinnati, Illinois State, UTEP, Townsend, Chattanooga, among many others. So... He has, from what I can see here, a power six offer out there, Mm -hmm. but it's most likely he's going to have to take a step down. But that's probably his best case scenario. Take a step down, go to the group of five or whatever, go to a mid-major, and use that opportunity to become a better player. But from K-State's side of things, we've talked about it many times, Jerome Tang talking a big game, and about how... It's not going to take long for this thing to be turned around and be elevated to where K-State Athletics and K-State Basketball specifically should be, and that is every year an NCAA tournament type of team. Unfortunately for Selton Miguel, if the recruiting works out so well that Jerome Ting lives up to the hype, sooner rather than later, Selton Miguel is going to fall behind, Mm -hmm. and his talent won't be good enough for what Drum Tang and the heights he wants to reach at K-State. It also is an opportunity, really, if you look at it uh, from both angles, it's a clean slate. It's a clean slate for both. Uh, you're, you don't have uh, Selton potentially getting frustrated on the bench because he's not getting playing time. You don't have uh, a matter where uh, you're, you're trying to reconfigure this team and it just isn't working maybe potentially, Uh, but also in Sultan's case, it's the opportunity for him to go somewhere that he can again feel like uh, that his game is going to be wanted and can be elevated. And I, I, you know, this is is the point where you you look at things changing and honestly, you can't blame anybody for putting themselves into the transfer portal at this point because it's becoming such a trend 
but it's also becoming such a case where guys can make up for maybe what they view as a mistake the first time around or just feel like that they can take a better opportunity. Yeah, he's going to go to a, a great program, but he hopes as well. I'm sure, I would imagine, Selton Miguel, the goal is to use this next opportunity to springboard himself back into a Power 6 type of program. But it's got to go well. He's got to land on a great team mm-hmm. and show that he's an important piece of a great team. A been major that he would hope, at least in IT or somebody that's knocking on the door uh, when it comes to uh, the NCAA tournament. As a matter of fact... You know, the, long, the Longwood Lancers, it's probably a school nobody had heard of before today. They're from Farmville, Virginia. Been there. Do they use farm coins as currency over uh, there? No. No. Did not see much of Farmville, by the way, when, I was, when we were there to play a game against Longwood. How well did it go? Uh, it went fine in that we got the tour of Cameron Indoor Stadium before we flew out of Raleigh-Durham on the way home. The game itself was about a 20-point blowout. But, but K- K-State has Jerome Tang and staff have offered a guard from hmm. Longwood. And I'm sure he definitely jumped on the map and felt like he had an opportunity to springboard himself to a bigger program because what do they do? They win their conference, they make it to the NCAA tournament, mm-hmm. and they get a, 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 a cup of coffee in the big dance. And also he's pretty good. A six-foot guard that averages 14 points Five rebounds, four assists, shoots 35% from three-point range. I don't blame Jerome Tang for going after this guard. I don't know if he's a point guard or not or if he's a two, but I've noticed here lately that uh, a lot of the effort has been put into these small guards. Something to bear in mind, and I really thought that Coach Tang made a great point when he discussed uh, the transfer portal and when he discussed teams – and players, specifically the NBA, and how the NBA essentially drafts players that are that make the NCAA tournament, that 80% of the guys are guys who appeared in the NCAA tournament, that that's a big part of the research that goes into uh, into the NBA draft process. Well, it's because nobody in uh, nobody watches college basketball except for the NCAA tournament. Well, okay, here we are recruiting, and guess what's playing a, a factor in terms of the transfer portal? Team made the NCAA tournament in Longwood. How much recruiting interest was there going to be if, say, Longwood hadn't made that tournament? It, it does well in grabbing people's attention, there's no doubt about it. The Longwood Lancers. I don't even mm-hmm. know what a Lancer is. Is that is that like a knight? Yes. Okay. Is that their logo? Like a knight? You know, it's been so long I couldn't it's tell you. It's a horse. You. Yeah. Oh, it's maybe like a uh, uh-huh. like a jousting. Jousting. Jousting type of thing. Okay. All right. Well, they didn't make it very far, but St. Peter's did. Jersey oh. City, New Jersey, I believe is where they're from. That is correct. All right. Let's take a timeout. When we come back, we've still got a long way to go. It's going to be a fun show because we have Gene Taylor at 525 to talk about the hiring of Jerome Tang. But when we come back, oh, man, we're going to get to some Twitter questions, but also a former cat running into more bad luck with injuries. That's next.
We continue with Wildcat Insider, Mitch Fortner with Troy Coverdale. It sounds like I have my voice back, right? Still a little it weak? It just sounds like maybe like you're at like weak. 95%. Now. Okay. No Wyatt today. He had a prior engagement. So Troy Coverdale is here to fill in his spot. Um, Boy, I, I feel so bad for Dean Wade. I feel so, so bad for the guy. It was reported by ESPN earlier today. He is going to miss the rest of the season. Uh, because he is out because he had surgery to repair a torn meniscus. The reason I feel bad for him is because, once again, he's going to have to miss on a postseason. Mm. So I don't keep up with the NBA, but I try to somewhat keep up with the Cats Right in the NBA. Dean Wade, if uh, he started 28 games and he's averaging about – Five points, three rebounds, and assists per ball game. So, I mean, he's not out there killing it or anything, but he's having a a really great opportunity. 25 years old and not getting drafted, but he's now playing regularly in an NBA team. Mm -hmm. And he's a serviceable guy coming off the bench. But, of of course, we recall in the postseasons of 2018 and 2019, a foot injury. Right. One on the right foot, one on the left foot, depending on the year. I don't remember exactly which one which. But in 2018, when K-State made the Elite Eight run, Dean Wade made an appearance for just a few minutes. He mm-hmm. did score, uh, but he didn't play much because of the injury. And that was against, I believe it was against Kentucky, if I remember correctly. And then 2019, just the one game, K-State did lose, but Dean Wade was already ruled out anyway. And both times we found out that he's out was right after K-State finished the regular season and we're getting ready for postseason play. And guess what? No Dean Wade available. And that happened twice. And that was incredibly unfortunate. I mean, imagine if K-State did have Dean Wade. I I would imagine more 2018 than 2019. 2019, that was just a rough finish anyway, but maybe Dean Wade could have definitely helped out. But maybe against Loyola Chicago, you know, since you're already there, we already knew K-State made the Elite Eight. Dean Wade's available. Maybe things don't go so bad. Right. And you get to the Final Four for the first time since the 50s. It would have been amazing. But Dean Wade right now with the Cleveland Cavaliers. Right now, Cleveland, as I look up the uh, the NBA Eastern Conference rankings. They've been a big surprise in the East. Their record right now is 41-33 and 33 with eight regular season games to go. Yeah. So they're right there. They're a seven seed right now. And they currently, it appears they have about a two-and-a-half game lead over the Hornets that are the eight seed. Now, I, I, what, I, I'm so confused these days about how the NBA <laughs> does their postseason, but basically, are the Cavs technically like a play-in team right now? I'm not sure how the play-in tournament's going to play out. Um, I'm not sure, honestly. I don't know that they are, though, given what that record is. Hmm. I would imagine, though, that's a pretty big hit for the Cleveland Cavaliers. And especially a team that is also, like, they're not far out. Like, they could get up to a five seed. I mean, the Bulls are only two games ahead. The Raptors are one game ahead, and that's the five and six teams. Mm-hmm. So Cleveland, like you said, who's a big surprise, and I'm sure Dean Wade has been a profitable part of that, like you mentioned, but he's going to have to sit out another potential postseason run. That just That's heartbreaking to me. 
especially that you know, you don't you never know how long these guys are having a career with if it all how long their career will be and how long it will be with the Cleveland Cavaliers like this might be his um you never know it might be his only shot at this kind of opportunity the Cleveland Cavaliers would be a play-in team Hornets would be a play-in team Nets would be a play-in team so Cleveland and the two teams that are right behind them I thought the Knicks were good this year, and now they're 32-42. and Maybe they just started uh, well. The uh, play-in teams out of the Western Conference would be the T-Wolves, Clippers, Pelicans, and the Lakers, who are 12 games under five hundred. And what's with the Lakers? LeBron James, I thought he could do it by himself. I thought you could put anybody on his team, and he could do it by himself. One flaw with that, Russell Westbrook. Does he suck? Oh, yeah. There's a reason why he's called West Brick. Well, I knew about that. <laughs> Who else is on? Is it Kawhi Leonard on that team? No, he's on the Clippers. Oh, he's on the Clippers. Oh, and he's right. been injured like most I of the said, year. Like I said, I don't keep up with the NBA Yeah, he's been out most of the year after the injury well, he suffered who, last year. Who else was on the Lakers that got added to that team like a couple of years ago that was supposed to be like, all right, another powerful team here, another dynasty team? You've got Carmelo coming off the bench, which should tell you something. I don't know if it's Carmelo I'm thinking of. You had J.R. Smith, but he's now playing college golf. I'm sorry, Anthony Davis. That's who that is. Oh, yeah. That's who I was thinking of. There There is no cohesion on that team right now, and it's highly evident. Westbrook being Westbrook has not helped. Austin Reeves, has he been doing pretty well? No. Really? Dwight Howard? Continues to be an enigma. (laughs) Who else can I name? Um, Avery Bradley? (laughs) James Worthy's not walking through that door. (laughs) When we come back, we'll finish up our number one Wildcat Insider. A little K-State baseball, how they do over the weekend at TCU, which, by the way... If you complain about uh, K-State football starting on the road in Big 12 play, maybe we should start talking about baseball for the sixth straight year starting Big 12 play on the road. A timeout. You're listening to Wildcat Insider. Hour one, Wildcat Insider about to come to a close. A reminder still coming up at 525. We're going to speak with K-State Athletics Director Gene Taylor, who's got a lot to say, I'm sure, about the successful week K-State Athletics had last week with the hiring of Jerome Tang, becoming the 25th head coach of K-State men's basketball. And for those that are wondering maybe the significance of giving Jerome Tang a number 25 jersey, well, there it is, 25th head coach in K-State men's basketball history. I didn't get to watch a whole lot of K-State baseball from this past weekend. I was at the game on uh, Wednesday. The previous game, the Tuesday game against Air Force, uh, rained out, but they did play in a very windy and a very cold game on on Wednesday, and K-State fell 4-3 to Air Force. I mean, that was definitely a game nobody wanted to play in that weather. Nobody <laughs> wanted to be there, and, and K-State lost by a run. No big deal. That uh, ended their winning streak. And then they move on to Big 12 play. 
TCU is a very good team, and they had a wild series last year where K-State won the series in Manhattan to wrap up the regular season, and then they played three more times in the Big 12 tournament, Mm -hmm. lost the first game, won the second that forced the third game on the same day as the second, which was on a Saturday, and K-State lost, and uh, they had to shorten the game because they were run-ruled in that third game. But it was a wild time last year with the Horned Frogs. This time around, it wasn't so great. The Horned Frogs... Uh, they pull off the sweep. The number 19 TCU Frogs beat K-State in uh, all three games, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, which gives K-State now the record of 11-11, 0-3 in Big 12 play. Uh, K-State outscored in this series 32-13, to which is really rough, out-hit 35-27, and uh, errors K-State with four, TCU with two. So just a couple of things that really stood out to me is where K-State had a ton of opportunities to score runs. They just did not drive guys in. They left 27 on base. For the weekend, Dom Johnson is still hitting very well. He went four for 12, but uh, he now has uh, 12 of his last 14 games where he's hit multi-hits. And then uh, another thing is, uh, you know, K-State, 25 free base runners by uh, K-State pitching. Mm-hmm. Also, the bullpen really struggled, it seemed like, especially Saturday and Sunday. The bullpen combined nine innings, allowing 17 earned runs in those, in those nine innings. With 17 hits, 14 walks, and just five strikeouts. So it was a struggle for the bullpen. We saw some struggles early on in the that way as well in terms of hit batters. I remember that from the Texas trip that started the year, and it's now carried over into the start of the Big 12 campaign. That's not a good spot to be. I did it again. For, up next for the Batcats, they'll be hosting your former uh, <laughs> team that you used to call for. Northern Colorado yep. will be here Tuesday and Wednesday for both 6 o'clock first pitches. Hour two of the game is up next and at 525 Gene Taylor is on the show but right now these words.